This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. Don't worry about that, mate. That's all right. That's fine. No problem at all. I'll just, uh, I'll just sit here in my pants waiting for you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Twiddling my go. thumbs. Don't worry about it. That's all right. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host, RJ McCready, and for this episode, I'm going to be taking you guys back to year in 1988 to look at Ron Howard's uh, fantasy adventure movie, Willow. And joining me for the show, I can think of anybody better to join me for this episode today, is my good buddy Dan Bone from the podcast on Haunted Hill. Dan, how you doing, mate? Hello, I'm doing really well, thank you. Thank you for having me back yet again. Oh, mate, <laughs> I think we're up to about nine or ten episodes now, mate. And sort of clocking them up together, you know. We uh, are. So what have you been up to, Dan? Because you know what, mate, I've, I've, I've almost thought about changing the name of the show to... What did Dan Bone watch this week podcast, you know what I mean? <laughs> Man, you've been tallying a lot of stuff up mate, over the last few weeks. Yeah, I certainly have. Um, my usual rubbish, but um, I've watched some really gold, absolute gold as well. A mm. um, couple of bits I know you wanted to discuss as well. Let's let's start off with what, what I consider to be one of the best TV shows I've watched in years. Yeah. And I'm talking about striking first, striking hard, and not mm-hmm. showing any mercy. I'm talking about Cobra Kai. Oh my god, mate, I'll tell you. Um, on paper, that shouldn't work, really, should it? Cobra Kai, I thought, when I heard about it. And now, um, I didn't watch it when it was on YouTube, and now it's come onto Netflix, and wow. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. oh man, it's just like the best thing ever, do you know what I mean? I'm thinking, boy, have they done a good job of this. It's uh, it's scarily good, isn't it? It's almost like what you would imagine, but think, and then you would think, oh, no one could make a show quite like that. But then they've gone ahead and done it. Yeah, it's yeah, it is. It's it's almost like you sort of imagine something in your head to think. Hope it'd be nice if someone could make something like this. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, somebody has. And I don't know what they've done. It's again, it's what we say a lot, isn't it, on podcasting? And I hear a lot of fans out there talk about this, and they say it's like the planets have aligned. Or oh, really? yeah. lightning in a bottle, and I'm thinking, oh my god, you know, it's like 2020, and I just described the way this show has made me feel. It's made me feel like a 10 year old kid on a BMX bike, you know, renting yep. something from the VHS. And you know, I've said that a lot on this show. I know you have as well. And it's what it's made me feel like that the last couple of weeks watching this show. You know what I mean? I was just like, <laughs> indeed, give me some it's, energy. Uh, it's- incredibly nostalgic mm. um and in fact i got my dad onto it and he, yep. he powered through both seasons within a few days he's, as he's retired and yeah he's phoning me up talking mm. to me about it and he's loving it as well he said oh, I, I can't stop listening to the music it's brilliant oh yeah yeah um it's yeah. a real 
pre- it's a real gift for fans of Karate Kid or the 80s movies generally. And um, what, what's great about it is they've kind of ticked all the boxes. They've even done that whole fan theory, you know, if what if Daniel was actually the baddie and Johnny was the goodie. Mm. And they've kind of touched on that as well. Um, they brought back loads of people, even Daniel's mum, you yeah. know, yeah, uh, Crease is in it. Uh, yeah, just... um, and I like the, without spoiling it too much, just in case there is anybody out there who hasn't watched it, but it's, I've like, I like the fine balance between Johnny and Daniel LaRusso, if you know what I mean, you know, it's just, oh, yeah. it's a real sort of balance between the two without giving too much away, but it's just, um, well, even, you know, Becky's watching it as well, and yeah. she's not the massive She's not a massive Karate Kid fan, but she's watched it. And I've got to watch the first episode. She goes, damn, you've done it to me. I said, what's that? She goes, I want to watch another <laughs> episode. You know what I mean? It's like, there you go. <laughs> you know. Um, and they're, they're only sort of 25, 30 minutes each. So they're easy to, you know, you can watch a bunch in a row or you can sit and marathon them if you want. It's not overindulgent either. And it's quite, almost takes the piss out of itself a little bit as well, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. super serious. Um, and I think that's why it works. You know, it, it doesn't mind taking the piss out of itself. So that's, I think that's why it works. And also, it's like a kind of story of redemption as well, which I kind of like. And I feel like it's, um, I was saying this to someone at work, because we were talking about it at work. And I just said it feels like the characters that I grew up with, or when this came out in 19. 19- 80 was it 1984 was it i think i probably watched it about 86. 83 84 something like that yeah um what's nice is to actually see these characters well watch it when i was young and relate to it because you know they're you know into karate and bmx bikes and all that sort of stuff and now to see those characters and it's almost like i feel like i'm well i'm not as old as them but you know what i mean you feel like you're sort of relating to them in some some way where they've, yeah, yeah, totally. know, they've sort of grown up and they've got families and all that sort of stuff so it's kind of cool and still keeping that um, fun story and you know rivalry and all that sort of stuff so yeah I've, oh man you know listeners you can hear it in our voices you know we're just absolutely stoked with this show <laughs> it's amazing Even, and uh, season three is coming soon oh man so, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for that I can't wait know. for that um so yeah, maybe we should have yeah. done a Karate Kid episode today, Dan. <laughs> God <laughs> almighty. So, um, moving on for Cobra Kai, because there's loads of loads we can talk about that, but let's talk about some other stuff. I know you've been watching, you saw the, uh, was it something to do with Al Leon? Was it a uh, TV yes. series or not? A documentary. Uh, mm. It's available on Prime. Um, I think you have to rent it. It's a couple of quid if you want to rent it. But it's called Henchman, the Al Leong story. Yeah. Um, we all know who Al Leong is. Anybody who is a fan of 80s movies knows this guy. Me and my dad used to call him the goatee man. Mm-hmm. Chinese guy with a sort of Fu Manchu moustache and beard, long hair. And he's in everything. Whether yeah. it's a John Carpenter movie, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. He played Endo famously in Lethal Weapon, didn't he? Yeah, uh, I think Ricky Morgan sort of came out with the right sort of phrase for him. He's, he said he's probably been in more 80s movies than anybody else. Do you know what I mean? But he's just... Yeah. You know, he's... <laughs> he, Ricky made me laugh as well. I think he said it on the big troll little Charlie. He said he was even the photographer and she's having a baby, you know. <laughs> he was indeed, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's know. crazy. Ah, 
and he was let's not forget genghis khan in bill and ted's excellent adventure yes that's right um, yeah and he was um uh what was the other thing he was in as well um oh there's something else i i mean he just shows up in so many things you just think what he was in what? um he was in What's... the one that you covered recently i think he was in they live was he in they live was he in they live I uh, he might have been he was definitely in big trouble yeah. uh he's just one of those guys that shows up but this is an, it's an incredible story it's it's almost two hour documentary it's quite low production <clears throat> but it's so heartwarming because i didn't realize the guy got brain cancer at one point and almost died only to come back and make a movie with Brandon Lee, Rapid Fire, he made with Brandon Lee. That was oh, the really? first film he made after recovering from brain cancer, which is oh, why wow. his hair was shorter. Um, and then he, he had a stroke a couple of years ago, so his speech is a little bit impaired in the later interviews. But it's a really fun story, and you've got John Carpenter and loads of sort of 80s actors and people. He was in Knight Rider, 18, Magnum PI, Dukes of Hazzard. Anytime they needed a Chinese guy in the 80s, they just got him in because he was the best in the business, really. Man, and it's cool. a great um, documentary. I highly rec- recommend it. I love a good documentary. I like your little John Carbons a plug in there as well, Dan. I like that. So you go Come on, we've got to get him in. <laughs> <laughs> JC manages to do it every time, doesn't he? But talking about John Carbons, <laughs> so he does seem to be doing a lot of interviews at the moment with this sort of stuff, doesn't he? You know, he sort of seems to be turning up, which is always good. Always good to see JC. Um, and what was the other thing I was going to ask you about? Something about... Oh, I know you've been watching some sort of pterodactyl Were you going to ask me like about um, the colour of space? Oh, yes. Colour of space? Oh, God, yeah, my God. Because this was it. This is, I was doing my notes and I was thinking, God, Dan's put something on, on Facebook again. I've got to ask him about it. And I thought, bloody hell, this is like the 10th thing now. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> colour out of space, mate. Go on. What did you think of that? Was it good or bad? I mean, it was incredible. It's not mm. like anything I've seen, really. It, yeah. it, I mean, it kind of is in that it felt like what would happen if you put like a John Carpenter 80s movie and a Japanese manga movie mm. and loads of stuff in a blender and mixed it up and then just oh, threw no. Nicolas Cage in as well. It's just this batshit crazy. Oh, yeah. But also quite terrifying mm. and, and quite quite moving. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I mean, there's one thing which I won't spoil um to do with his wife where i was really quite appalled by what i was seeing on screen it was yep. just like what is this yes yeah exactly i think that's the um hp lovecraft uh kicking in there isn't it which oh yeah um you know which is kind of portrayed in, in the mouth of madness as way well, where it's kind of like uh, sort of body fusing and things like that isn't it obviously i sorry guys i don't want to spoil it too much but um yeah, it's crazy. And then, like you say, uh, Nicholas Cage is in the mix of this as well, doing Nicholas Cage stuff. Um, He's amazing and... in it, though, isn't he? He's really found himself. Like I know we all take mm. the piss out of him, but we actually do love him. But oh, yeah. He really, with this and films like Mandy, he's really realised what people want from him and want to see from him, and he brings it even more now. It's amazing. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's found a place in the horror genre, and he's doing it very well. And I've noticed a little thing with him where in Mandy you've got like a sort of purple psychedelic colour. And in Colour Out of Space you've got a purple psychedelic colour. And in this new movie he's doing, I think it's called Wonderland, mm. which looks quite good. That's got a purple psychedelic yeah. colour. So I'm just wondering whether he's doing something sort of trilogy wise. It's probably not, but it just seems to be a bit of a 
um, thing that he's doing at the moment. Well, but, uh, you, you know. never know what <laughs> yeah. you never know what Nicolas Cage could bring. <laughs> and the other thing you did, he's amazing. Oh, I'm loving him. Is that um, without spoiling the film, that bit with him? I don't remember that bit with him in the car at the end of the movie. There'll be a cage rage there with him just oh, yeah. in the roof. Oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> I just thought of you when I saw that. Boy, no one can do it this. quite like him. No, no, but um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I know um, one of the guys on the page, Daniel Nichols, he's, he's a fan of that. Little shout out to Dan. Um, I know he really enjoyed that film. So um, yeah, it's doing well. And the other thing is it's um, horror. Uh, it's doing yeah. well for the horror genre as well. That type of movie just sort of puts it up back on, puts the bar up a little bit, doesn't it? So, um, totally. Um, it felt really original, but also there was some stuff that I recognised, you know, a few callbacks to maybe even The Thing and stuff oh, like God, that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I like what mm. they're doing here. This is brilliant. Even the um, even the Void, wasn't it, that you was talking about yeah. um, a couple of episodes oh, yeah. ago? Um, so yeah, it's for, it's good to see the. I mean, Lovecraft is really starting to hit the bar as well now, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Um, people are beginning yeah, to realise. Yeah, there's, there's even work. a TV show now, isn't there? Yeah, um, something. Lovecraft I, I Country, I think it's called. That's right. I haven't watched it, but yeah, I, I noticed that. So, um, so moving on from Colour Out of Space, the other thing I was going to talk to you about was, um, oh yeah, another horror movie called The Unnameable. Which is another Lovecraft yeah, movie. Yeah, another Lovecraft movie. Yeah, I watched mm. a couple that week for some reason. Um, I'd never seen it. You've seen it, obviously, and you're a fan of it then. Yes, um, I know it's a very cheap budget movie. I watched it back in the 90s. Terrified me, actually. Um, because it, I think it was about... It was the monster that you couldn't see, but you could hear it. And you could hear yep. it screaming and screeching. And you're just like, Wow. And there was little parts of it that kind of reminded me of Fright Night a little bit, where you got the kid next door, haunted house type yeah. thing. I think it's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah, you don't really get to see it too much until almost the last act. Really, you see bits mm. and bobs, but it's only the very end. You really, when they reveal it, you're like, Jesus, what the hell? Because it's oh, really yeah. tall and mm. it's almost a bit feminine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it is a, a woman or I don't really know. It's just this weird creature and. It gets really gory really mm. quickly as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's a good low budget movie. I think again, I, I mentioned Rick. I think Ricky Morgan's a fan of that as well. Um, I think he's going to cover it for his uh, new podcast, Rad Movie. Um, yeah, he mentioned that to me. Um, I, I I'm off. I missed the ba- I missed the boat. You see, mm. uh, everyone else seems to know about it and love it, and I knew for the first time saw it. Uh, huh. But I, I loved it. It was great. Good fun. It was, just, it was just waiting for you in later life, Dan. That was all you know. You just <laughs> got to put these things aside sometimes, you know. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, no, it's all good stuff, man. And the other thing I was going to mention was... Um, I posted something on your page. It was a song called Gunship, which is a very sort of synth wave uh, song. Oh, yeah. And, man, that was uh, a friend of mine, uh, Dean, at work, a little shout-out to Dean. He, he, he said to me, he said, Oh, Jay, you... He said, I know you love the 80s. Do you like the songs? I said, yeah, do I? <laughs> yeah, I do. And he said, check this out. And I thought, I looked at it, I thought, I've got to post it on Haunted Hill. <laughs> it's like every it's home It's incredible, house. isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think that song, they were um, working with Tim Capello, who's the, obviously, 
saxophone player greases himself up in the Lost Boys, isn't it? So I think he makes a everyone's favourite ben, barely barely dressed saxophonist from the eighties. <laughs> the man you want to be, Dan, really, isn't it? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so to describe what happens in that video to your listeners, so it's mm. an anime, it's a cartoon, and you've got like the band singing, and the, obviously the the saxophonist is is in it as well, dressed as he was in the Lost Boys, yeah. and you've got David from the Lost Boys, yeah, and then David and his like baddie dudes are starting to fight the Frog Brothers, mm-hmm. but then they team up with Blade, mm. who then teams up with they team up with Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well, yeah, and they're like taking on um, oh there's somebody else who's the other person that's in it as well it's a um, isn't it the um obviously not from that it doesn't um seth from from dust of dawn turn up yes seth from dust of dawn george clooney as well yeah. and he's got his sort of pneumatic stake gun hmm. um and then just when you think it can get any better blade is wearing predator tech <laughs> bombs on his wrists and you're like this has just ticked all my boxes put put to an amazing song as well it's just yeah. Amazing, isn't it? And then there's a truck at the beginning, and just to sort of top it off, on the front of the truck grill is a Canon logo, um, which is oh, just yeah, amazing. That's right, yeah. So there's like loads. I think if you just rewatched it, you just think, oh, there's another Easter egg, there's another Easter egg. Um, but I think yeah, someone's that's wearing right. Sex Machine's dick gun from Dust Till Dawn <laughs> as well. <laughs> they thought of everything, this band, haven't they? And I, I did. Um, <laughs> I did check out their full album. We've been playing it in my car, and it's just been amazing, really. So it's just, it's the sort of thing that you want to draw, um, you want to play at night time whilst you're driving through the streets, if you know what I mean. Just gives yeah. it a bit, a bit more of an edge. Um, so yeah, so as um, as you can tell, guys, me and Dan are very pleased at the moment with what's going on. You know, in terms of what what's being produced. I, I think I actually think we're going through a little bit of a golden age at the moment with. You know, films and TV shows and all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, I couldn't really ask for better, if I'm honest with you. I feel very spoiled, particularly mm. with things like Cobra Kai. Yeah. Um, you know, some of these big, I watched The Lighthouse as well, which I oh, won't go into too much now, yeah. but that was pretty, that's another Lovecraft as well, you see. And that was oh, um, okay. pretty out there. I, mean, I really enjoyed it though. So there are some, there's some really good stuff coming out, which I'm, uh, I'm excited. Yeah. And there's more stuff on the horizon as well. There is indeed, man. But today, or on today's show, we're going to be going back to 1988, where the building block of all this fantastic stuff has come from. So, Dan, should we go back to that year, mate? Should we get the old uh, trailer going? Indeed. Let's get on the horses and gallop out of here. Oh, let's do that, man. Let's go back to that world of fantasy and adventure and Mad Mardigan and everything like that. So, guys, we'll play you a trailer, and we will see you soon. creator of Star Wars, from the director of Cocoon, a world is awakening. Why, with the strength of my great army, can you not find one little child? It's a dangerous world. That's why we need your help. Your journey has just begun. Willow. Heroes come in all sizes. But adventure doesn't come any bigger than this. 
I'm the child. I'm the child. We are not afraid of you. After them! You're gonna get us killed. Adjust them completely. The next great adventure. You are great. Willow. Coming in May. And welcome back, guys. So the synopsis of this film is a young farmer is chosen to undertake a perilous journey in order to protect a special baby from an evil queen. It's an action-adventure drama movie. It's got 7.3 on IMBD. It's a PG, and it's got a 126-minute runtime. So, Dan, Willow, mate. Well, when did you this first is, watch uh, this movie, mate? Special. Yeah. It, this was a big deal when it came out. I remember mm. um, all the cereal boxes you could yep. buy, like Kellogg's Cornflakes with the toys in them, and there was loads of memorabilia for this, wasn't there? I don't remember any toys coming out for it. Um, that's a good question, but, actually. Uh, they probably did, but like... Yeah, I don't, I don't remember it. Well. But I remember getting little weird figures in my cereal, my mm. Kellogg's Cornflakes. I um, remember those. They, they used to be either sort of like a red... Uh, blue or yellow with like a Mad Mardigan or Willow or Willow is it just like a sort of uh, yeah, resin it. figure there was like three like. or four to collect yeah that's right um, I think they might have brought a sticker album out oh that rings possibly, a bell and I seem to remember some sort of colouring in books and things like that but yeah it was um, it did turn up um, in several different places I was, I was 10 when this came out um, so it was really perfect I was perfect age for this really um, I don't think we I did not see it in the cinema but we definitely rented it as a family and it soon became a, a family favourite for, for my family we were just I mean we know it we, we know it off by heart it's one of those ones that we know off by heart yeah we love everything about it and it's, it's got that kind of I read some when I was doing some re- research and reviewing it um, for this show I, I read someone somewhere along the way that said this is what would happen if the lord of the rings and star wars had a baby it would be willow and i guess yeah. it kind of is really i think that's what they were going for and um, it's funny because what you said I, I actually i did watch the film but i'm the same as you i probably didn't have to watch it because i've seen it so many times you know but i did watch it obviously mm. um but no you're spot on i mean for me willow has always been that film where it's, it's what i liked about this time period is that you had a two-hour movie that kind of did everything that you wanted and re-watching it actually uh, last night I thought oh my god there is so much crammed into this movie for two hours isn't there do you know what I mean there's a lot going on isn't there do you know what I mean yeah. and um, it is like you say uh, like The Hobbit Lord of the Rings like Star Wars and there is a little bit of a fan theory mentioning Star Wars. Some fans believe that uh, Willow takes place in the Star Wars universe as a bit of a fan theory. Oh, that would be cool, wouldn't it? Imagine yeah, that. Because they're saying that, um, because if you think about it, Endor with the Ewoks, they don't actually have space travel, do they? Means, I don't think. 
I think it's only people that visit the planet, so it could be a little bit plausible that yeah. there is this going on. Well, now I want to see Matt Bardigan teaming up with Han Solo. Imagine those two. <laughs> they you imagine that? Other, give Han Solo some love dust or something like that, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Just give him that. <laughs> I love so you, good. R2. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like I say, Mad Mardigan, I mean, you mentioned Han Silo, he's kind of like the Han Silo in this movie as well, isn't he? Um, and Val Kilmer does yeah. a great job, I think. It's one of my favourite Val Kilmer roles, definitely. Um, he made up a lot of his lines on the spot and ad-libbed quite a lot of his scenes. What's impressive as well is um, Warwick Davis, I think, was only 17 at the time. I only just, re- I only just found that out the other day. I didn't realise he was yeah. 17 years old, to be honest with you. He's and George a, Lucas wrote this specifically for him after meeting him on the set of Return of the Jedi. He wanted to write a film around a small person mm. sort of saving the, the world, the universe, as it were, um, and ended up writing this story about these this race of, you know, small people, Willow being one of them. And imagine that, you're 17 years old and George Lucas has written a film specifically with you in mind as the lead. That must be a lot of pressure. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I, I, I read that story as well, and I thought, could you imagine that? You know, a film director coming up to you and saying, "I'm going to write a movie just for you." You go, oh, "Wow!" You know, it's just incredible, isn't it? And for him, as a 17-year-old, to be involved, that must have been amazing, mustn't it? Do you know what I mean? Because, as we know, back then there was no green screens, was there? It was no. all practical. All these villages were built up. Okay, maybe a little bit of matte painting here and there, and some models, but. Uh, that must have been an adventure for himself as a 17-year-old. Um, oh, it must have been amazing. Um, he he had to learn to ride a horse. Mm. He had to learn how to hold a baby and feed a baby and change a baby. He had to learn to sword fight, a little bit of stunt work. You know, and th- this is a guy who has only really just been in Return of the Jedi. You know, uh, probably a few other bits and bobs here and there. He hadn't um, really done a lot. And all of a sudden, he's the lead yeah. in this like fantasy adventure. Wasn't he in Labyrinth as well? Uh, don't know if he was in Labyrinth. I'm not sure. I don't think so. But, He's been in a lot of stuff, though. But we we were we were sport in the 80s with these movies, weren't we? With the fantasy movies, you know, you had like, uh, like I said, mentioned Labyrinth. You could probably chuck in the return towards, because obviously Gene Marsh is in that movie as well. He's in this film. Um, terrifying. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Another terrifying movie. Uh, Kroll. Um, yeah, legend. Legends. You know, there's, there's uh, Dra- Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer. Um, that's the other one. Yeah, that's right. That's a good one. And then you've got like um, Beastmaster and these kind of movies as well. Yeah, that's right. So, and, and and the funny thing is, is that none of these films really did well in the box office, did they? But every single one of these films, I go, I like that film. Do you know what I mean? Or Major a hand. If you post that on our Facebook page, majority of people go, "Yeah, I love this movie," but none of them yep. really did that it's well in the box. Cult following, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, it's, uh... and that, and you can thank VHS Rental really because I can yes. imagine. I don't know. You probably got the figures, but I I can't imagine this doing really well only because they really wanted it to be another Star Wars, yes. and it probably didn't do as well as they'd hoped. They must have spent quite a lot of money on this. Well. Um, um, about well, a large f- budget. In fact, Dan, I'll just quickly have a look through the figures now. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Get old Granville's teal out, hang on. <laughs> um, 
35 million dollars they spent on on this film so, That's a lot of money in 1988 yeah but it, it did it took 135 million dollars at the box office oh wow okay so it did it definitely made its money back it did but the problem where it fell is they were comparing it to Star Wars they were thinking it was going to make something like $750 million or something like that, but it never did. So that's the unfortunate thing. Um, but Willow is not a flop in any means. And as you said, it, it did really well in the um, uh, VHS rental. I think it did even yeah, better. Yeah, of course, everybody rental. wanted to watch this movie. You know, it had fun. It was funny. It had good scenes, fights, sword fights, dragons, trolls, magic. Yeah. You know, for me, what I loved about it as a kid was also Pat Roach's character. Yeah. Um, yeah. General Kale. He, he reminded me of Skeletor because he has that <laughs> skeleton mask. So I loved that as well. It's um, funny. And yeah. the effects. Mm. The effects were great. I... I was thinking that when I was watching it yesterday, actually. I thought, oh my God, this is like Masters of the Universe. Because um, you've kind of got um, Gene Marsh's character, isn't it? Is it um, Bal- is it Balmorda? Balmorda, yeah. I do apologise, guys. I'm going to struggle a little bit with these names. <laughs> um, she reminded me of like Evil Lynn. Yeah, she um, did, yeah. And like you say, Gen- General Cow, obviously, as you said, uh, Skeletor. Bad Mad Mardigan. Obviously, it doesn't have the sort of beef, but it's still got the same sort of charisma, isn't it? The sword fight and all that sort of stuff. Um, and actually, elements of this did remind me of the Masters of the Universe movie. Obviously, Billy Barty is in this as well. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but some of the, some of the score mm. um, and just the sort of the feel of it. Mm. Although um, Masters of the Universe takes place generally on Earth. Mm in the 80s there's a very similar feel and actually I think this and Masters of the Universe would probably make quite a good double bill there's something similar between them for me yeah this is as you say this is the Masters of the Universe movie that I don't want to take anything from the one that we we reviewed and we all love but it's probably the one that you was probably expecting whereas in in the world itself and taking place the other movie it reminded me of was um Time Bandits, in a way. Um, yeah. Not because of the small people, you know, with White Davis, but because of the the evil Balmora. Oh, I can't remember. Jean Marsh's character <laughs> in this. She reminded me of Evil, the David Warner character. A yeah. little bit, do you know what I mean? The way she was, just her whole sort of, like, panache and everything like that. Um, also, in, in fact, we've almost got... It's almost like somebody's put all these films into a snow globe and then just sort of shook it up because there's a bit of crow in here as well I thought yeah there um, is you know it's definitely it's... there was definitely um, a theme in the 80s mm. for this kind of a movie people wanted to see this swords you know magic um and, and, and like I mentioned just now, the effects of this, for me as a kid, blew me yep. away. But particularly the scenes where Finn Rizal changes between the different animal forms. Yeah. I'd never seen anything like that before. And I do actually think, <clears throat> if I remember rightly reading, this was one of the first times they'd actually been able to create that morphing technology. Where you could see, because she turns from like a tortoise to a tiger to a possum into a human. And it's done, in this, and it looks, you know... It, it's old now, and it, you can tell it's cheaper effects than yeah. now. But yeah. but for 1988, that blew me away, man. Watching that, it's incredible to see. Well, it's it's still captured the younger generation as well because my, my my son and my daughter um, love this film as well. 
and you know my, my daughter's now she's approaching the age of 16 and she still wants to watch this film um, oh that's nice to hear do you know what I mean so I'm just saying the younger generation is still um, enjoying these films and I think a lot of that is because these films have got so much heart, heart to them and they are just good stories aren't they do you know what I mean it's about the fight between good and evil and Mad Mardigan, you don't know if he's going to be a good guy or a bad guy, but he pulls through in the end and all that sort of stuff. So it's just fantastic storytelling. And I think overall, and I'm, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this yet, it yeah. really has a, sort of a very, it's a very um, innocent film. And, it, in, and what I mean by that is it's got that Harryhausen sort mm. of vibe to it. You've yeah. got a bit of stop motion towards the end. And it's got that real innocent, we know the good guys are going to win, but... There's going to be some obstacles, and it's a real sort of amazing Sinbad sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. It. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Because you've got the um, the dragons in this, haven't you? Two is it like a two-headed yeah, dragon? Two-headed dragon. Uh, you've also got. I thought there's a little bit of Indiana Jones in here as well when they're on that cart fighting and Mad Mardigan's hanging on the back of the truck and all that. And I thought, oh, he's he's doing a little bit of an Indiana Jones thing here, and. Um, yeah, it's just, I think Lucas and Ron Howard and everybody else involved in this film have done an incredible job. And um, I, I'm not going to take anything away from the, you know, the Lord of the Rings films that they've made are great because they've, you know, they've, they've adopted them to how they are in the books and the same in The Hobbit. But for me, they're just a little bit too long. Do you know what I mean? You know, with yeah. four hours or whatever, but I, I get why they do that. And I, I've, I even remember coming out from the cinema saying, you know, with Lord of the Rings, oh, that was a really good film. But man, I just, I just miss a two-hour Willow movie where it's just doing everything in a short space of time. Do you know what I mean? And that was just my only sort of criticism there. You know, <laughs> if this film came out now, this would be part one of a trilogy or something. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and we yeah. don't really need that. We just need one story, and that's yeah. it. That's what I mean, I, and I don't even, and I've never even um, wanted a sequel out of this, this is the funny thing, I've never gone away and said, oh, I really, really wish there was a Willow sequel, because I think I just stick it on and it just does everything for me, you know. You it just, wraps up, yeah. it wraps up nicely at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's it, so, um, it's just a lot, like I say, we, we've, I've said this before, but it's just a lot in this film, isn't there, it's just amazing. So, uh, yeah, no, it's good stuff, man. Yeah, um, it's amazing. So, shall we get into this film then, Dan? Because I think we pretty Let's much already it. have. We're already to the end, aren't we, already? <laughs> <laughs> and they all live happily ever after. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, take it away then, Dan. All right, well, let's get into it. So, well, you feel it, you get goosebumps at the beginning because you already see those names. You see Lucasfilm come up on screen. Yeah. And you see a Ron Howard film and you're thinking, okay, this is magic already. Mm. There's a bit of magic happening here already with these two names. And uh, and we start off with, when you, when you get this kind of an opening to a movie, you know you're in trouble. So we start off with a prophecy. Yeah. Oh. And... and uh, I've also, just before we go on to that, Dan, that's, uh, I forgot to mention Red Sonja as well, with Schwarzenegger and Bridget Nielsen. I thought there's a little yeah. bit of that going on there. And a bit of Princess Bride, I've just thought of as well. Yes. I don't know, it's just got it all. <laughs> Kate, Kate Pollock would never forgive us. <laughs> if we did mention <laughs> As you wish, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> Should we go, fuck you guys? <laughs> <laughs> 
There you go. Fuck off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's me saying fuck off at the beginning of the Willow. Sorry, guys. <laughs> right. Willow, I'm good. Yeah. Consult the fucking bones. Right, okay. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this prophecy. <clears throat> so a child, there'll be a child born that's going to mm. bring down Queen Bav Morda. So that sums it up, basically. And we do witness the birth of this child. Yeah. Um, she's born with a mark on her arm, this little baby. Um, a bit like Damien with the three sixes. Oh, yeah. It's like a weird mm. mark, isn't it? And this queen, the queen, she knows that this baby's going to be born. So she's going around anytime anyone's having a baby. She's obviously sending out her general Kale and her daughter, Saoirse. And they're going off and they're stealing this baby uh, well they're trying to find the baby and if they find it they're going to steal it which they do they want to steal this woman's baby um however the woman uh manages to get her baby smuggled out doesn't she um and this is where we get introduced to what i like to call the pig dogs yeah apparently they were uh, rottweilers dressed up or something um which is something they did quite a lot. Then I think they did, and this is the Princess Bride thing, isn't it? With was it yeah, the, with the rats? rats or something. I think they did something similar there with that. Um, They're uh, pretty scary. Yeah, they they work for me. Yeah, they do their job. Yeah, so a little bit of. Uh, I mean, you can tell they're real animals, and they're, mm. so they're hunting off in the woods these big sort of black, hairy pig dog things, which are actually are Rottweilers, as you say, mm. RJ. Um, but yeah, they they go off scouting around, and this woman who smuggled the baby out. She basically, um, she knows that they're going to come and get her any second. So she puts the baby down on a, a little raft that she's created and lets it float off down the stream. Bit like the story of the, Moses or something like that, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? A little bit of that. There's a little bit. Maybe there is a little bit of biblical in there. Yeah, a little bit of biblical yeah. story there. Well, even the hardest of hearts will now melt into a puddle because we meet Willow's two children oh. who are just the cutest little things I've ever seen, aren't they? Oh, my God, they're so cute. <laughs> Heartbreakers, aren't they? They, the way they? they are, Dada, Dada, what is it? We found something in the river. <laughs> so we meet Willow. Willow's a farmer, as you mentioned in the synopsis, and there he is, he's ploughing his field. And uh, at the time, he was 17, but he plays it really well. You wouldn't have thought he was like a young I, boy in this. I never knew that. I never knew. I thought he was a little, little, little bit older than 17. I thought he'd be young, but I didn't think he was 17. So, yeah, he does an incredible job. Absolutely crazy. And they say, uh, we found something. What is it? And he says, oh, don't touch it. It's a daikini baby. So yeah, daikini to what it, these daikini people call baby. us bigger yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> daikini <laughs> baby. <laughs> He says, don't touch it. We don't know where it's been. Mm. Let's just push it back out into yeah. the river and let it float off and it'll go to the next village. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, they can't do that. So um, all of a sudden, we meet Burblecut, who is the big fat sort of... I don't know what his job is, really. He's like a mayor or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know what? Because... Uh... It, it, this kind of reminds me of Jack and the Beanstalk story. Do you know what I mean? Where the guy comes in and says, "If you don't pay me the money, then I'm going to take your farm away from you, isn't it?" And yeah, that's, that's basically it. Yeah, so it's like fairy tales chucked in here. But yeah, he's a big old, he's a bit of a slob, isn't he? He's like the nasty sort of, um, uh, he's like a sort of bailiff or something like that. And he's got an accent which is very much like my accent because he's from um, the southwest of England, so he's around oh, the Bristol area. Right, okay. 
<laughs> you can hear from the way he brought he rolls his well he says his r's because us guys from bristol we say things like uh party oh yes and so uh yeah he's definitely for me it's always nice to hear that accent <clears throat> which is hilarious now willow's wife kaya comes out and she sort of breaks up this argument and then she says what are the kids babbling about at the river let's go and have a look and he's like oh no don't go and have a look please leave it of course she discovers the baby instantly falls in love with this uh daikini baby as they call it and willow no one's listened to willow he says no one is allowed to fall in love with this baby and they all fall in love with it and they take it back to their hut and they instantly are infatuated with it and it is a cute baby you've got to be honest it's a little cute ginger baby yeah apparently they had two or three children playing the same role looking the same or something apparently that's what they say. Yeah, but they do that quite a lot, don't they? Yeah. Um, like in Ghostbusters too, the baby was Playboy Twins. Um, I think it's so that you can always have one working while the other one sleeps. Yeah, makes that's sense. Yeah. Funny thing about the babies mm. is, um, I didn't realise this, but uh, Val Kilmer and Joanna Wally fell in love making Willow. That's right. And got married mm. and. He invited a lot of the cast, including a lot of the little people, to his wedding, mm. and he invited the baby's parents. So he just had this like couple of turn up at this like celebrity wedding, and they were like, "Yeah, our babies were in Willow." So Val Kilmer invited us to his wedding. Do you think uh, strange? Val Kilmer dressed up like he did at the end of this movie, like with long hair and a like prince outfit on or something. <laughs> I hope so. I really or, hope so. A wedding at a <laughs> castle or something like that. Yeah. And I hope they had the band playing from the village. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, with uh, Kenny, Kenny Baker. He, he yeah, Kenny Baker, isn't it? He turns up in this. And that's the other thing you mentioned, Dan. It's uh, the music by James Horner is brilliant in this film, isn't it? All the sort of... Um, just the way the music complements the movie really well, doesn't it? Um, you hear this music and you... I mean, if you know the film, you'll hear mm. the music and as soon as you hear you you know what scene you're in, you know, it, it fits. James Horner is very good at... Obviously, it's his job, but he's very good at um, his music really echoing what's going on in the scene you're watching. Yeah, he, he, um, he can make it sound like you're just gliding through water and then it'll just... For an action scene, it'll really pump on, won't it? Dun, 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 you know, it's all so very good. good, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So they fall in love with this baby, this uh, daikini baby. I don't, I do love that term, daikinis. I, I, uh, I, I, called... I have. I, I, I think I might have called my daughter that when she was younger. She's a daikini baby. <laughs> I, I have a confession. I, I've got a very close friend, Michelle, and mm. she calls me daikini. Uh, oh, I call really? her Daikini because we both realised when we first met about ten years ago that we both loved Willow, right. and we watched it together hung over once and we were like daikini daikini and now she just like whenever she texts me she's like hey daikini how you doing daikini yeah it's great man <laughs> i love that sort of stuff man it's great <laughs> well um, willow and his people they're called the, the nelwins i think they're called um, oh is that what they're called oh yeah right. okay, i was trying to sort of find out if they did actually have a name you know, so yeah, so society. this world that we're in, they've got um, sort of normal-sized people, daikinis. Then you've got the Nelwins. Then you've got fairies. You've got brownies, mm. which we'll get to meet later on, which aren't your sort of girl guide type brownies. These mm -hmm. are horrible little spear-chucking, tiny little 
monsters that will tie you down and ride an eagle and chase you, but they're brilliant as well. Yeah. Um, and you've got trolls, trolls you've got dragons, yeah. you've got you've got it all in this, like we said. Fair, fairy tale stuff, yeah, it's all it's all great, man. And, and we'll get on to the trolls later. There's a little something I noticed there, but I won't mention it. I'll just say oh. that. Yeah, something okay. I noticed. That's it. No. Well, Kaya sees that there's a mark on the baby's arm, and they kind of sense that there's something maybe a bit odd about the baby, but they don't really think much about it. Willow says, let's hide the baby from the village council. We'll, we'll sleep on it. We'll decide what we, whether we tell them or not. The next day, he's nervous because the next day, it's a big village fair. He gets to perform some magic. And also it's going to be um, Billy Barty, the high mm-hmm. old one, is going to get to choose his apprentice. So every year he comes out and he picks an apprentice. But apparently for the last few years, he's never picked one, has he? No, this is the big year. Cho- choose the finger. The f- was it the finger that's going to rule the world or has the most yeah. power or something like that? Billy Barty's brilliant, isn't he? You just know that voice. Yeah, um, he's great. Like the old, like I say, Gwildor, isn't it? And yeah, and he was in uh, Legend as well. Oh, was he in Legend as well? Oh, I can't yeah, have seen Legend. one of the guys in Legend <clears throat> as well. Yeah. Um, Willow does an amazing magic trick where he makes a pig disappear. Uh, but then it all goes wrong because the pig is basically just hiding under the box and runs away. But I like the way that comes in handy later on. Just something happens. It's a good setup. It's good. Yeah, it's good setup. That yeah, I like that. Uh, and then everybody, high old one is here. Billy Barty's arrived. So all the all the hopefuls line up, including Willow, because Willow believes he's going to be a true magician someday. Um, so he sort of Billy Barty goes along the the row of people, and as you say, he says, "Pick a finger, pick a finger," um, and then disappointedly he says. No apprentice this year. So no apprentice this year again. <laughs> and they're all really gutted about that because that's especially Willow because that's what he, you know, that's what he's he wants in life is to be a magician. He doesn't want to be a farmer. He wants to be a magician. You know? Yeah, it's it's one of those it's one of those moments where I always think every time I watch this film I always think he's going to pick the right finger for some reason I'm always going go on Willow Willow pick your own finger well, but no that's one of those moments <laughs> I wish I, I I hope there's some outtakes somewhere where they sort of gives them the middle finger or yeah, you know, I it, really yeah. hope that there's some outtakes <laughs> yeah this one does a star lord on him just winds it up <laughs> what um. an asshole <laughs> um, oh, all of a sudden the pig dogs arrive yeah and they ransack the village fair. Everyone starts hiding and running and screaming. Again, another heartbreaking scene where Willow's daughter is crying her eyes out because she's been stranded. Um, so sad. And this is where you get the, but, the warrior um, guys turn up as well, didn't you? In the camp. They're kind of like badass, aren't they? Um, oh, yeah, the badass, badass guys turn yeah. up. Um, Vonknar, his name is the main that's guy. That's right. Yeah, that's it. I'm sure I've seen him in something else before as well. I can't remember what it he's is. He's definitely but... been in some bits and bobs mm. for sure, for sure. Well, he turns up and they kill the pig dog, and they say it was looking for a baby because it's, right. it's going for all the, the baby's cots. And anyone with a baby suddenly looks quite concerned. Yeah. And Willow suddenly thinks, "Oh my God, we've got a secret Daikini baby. I better go and check." Luckily, Kai is okay, but he says to her, "Look, we have to we have to go to the village uh, council and tell them about this. We we can't hide this. Someone's obviously after this baby." 
so they go to the council and uh billy barty says we need to take this baby out of the village to the daikini crossroads, crossroads yeah. and give it to a daikini mm-hmm. to look after that's right and uh it comes and, up with uh, one of my favorite little bits here where he goes oh, <laughs> well it, i'll let you say it, actually is it something to do with the bones isn't it <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, uh, well, he says, who are we going to get to do this? And he says, we must consult the bones. <laughs> and, and then Willow comes down, doesn't he? He's like close to uh, his ear, isn't he? He goes, the bones tell me nothing. <laughs> like that. All right, right. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Fantastic. You just like, built, yeah, like just built this up. <laughs> <laughs> then he says, oh, and then he says, um, do you love this baby? Do you So the village don't know any of that has mm. gone on. They just think he's consulted the bones. And then he turns around and says, Willow's going to take him to the Daikini Crossroads. Yeah, that's it. And then you've got, uh, is, it Bur- is it Burgle Cup, isn't it? He's yeah. giving it a big old blow. Isn't he? Yeah, let him go. And then all of a sudden he, he, he's part of this mission as well, isn't he? And he's like, yeah. he, he calls on the warrior guy. He says, what this mission needs is a leader. Yeah, Burgle Cat. So he's like, oh, I don't want to go, for God's sake, me. And then, yeah, then he gets the warrior and, and Migosh goes with him. He's one of Willow's best friends That's as right, well. yeah, Migosh as well. Yeah, that's right. He, he's kind of like the sort of Samwise Gamgee character in this, isn't he? To sort of, uh, he is. Kind of sort of basing it on that sort of character. So there's about half a dozen of them now. They're a bit of a fellowship, really, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. It it was uh, almost like, that's right, there's a couple of scenes here where they're walking over, um, it's a really nice shot, actually, where they're walking over a log, over a waterfall or something like that. And I thought, that's very much like um, the Fellowship of the Ring in The Hobbit when they go Uh, out on their journey. I believe, weirdly, this was shot in New Zealand, wasn't it, if I remember right? Yes, that's right, yeah, that's right. Because I think they wanted to film it in China, but they couldn't get the sort of land rights or something, so they went to New Zealand. And it was also filmed in this country as well, parts of Hertfordshire, um, Black Park, which I've visited, which is near Pinewood Studios, just off the the M25. Um, Ah. So, yeah, there's uh, parts of it all over the place. We should probably also mention that Billy Barty, just before they set off, gives Willow some magic acorns mm, that's it and he says these are turned stuff to stone mm. we like what <laughs> <laughs> okay cool <laughs> thanks <laughs> come in handy later on don't they they certainly do um <clears throat> so uh they head on out and there's a moment where the baby pukes into burgle cut's oh, face oh yeah that gets me every time that does oh, dear. now I only found out two days ago that that scene hmm. was real and the baby had motion sickness from them walking about with it, bouncing around on their back. Oh, so really? when he picked it up, it wasn't supposed to, the baby wasn't supposed to be sick, but it was threw up in his face and in his mouth, which is why he looks so horrified and turns away and says, take the baby and passes it to somebody. Oh my God, you're serious, man. Jeez. And Ron Howard Ooh. said to him afterwards, listen, that was amazing can we put that in the film i'm gonna put that in the film and he was like yeah go on then so he actually got sick in his mouth for that scene <laughs> your best your best bit of acting so far that was that was brilliant fantastic yeah imagine that. 
Uh, but you, you kind of like that it happened because no one likes this character. So no. you're kind of pleased that that's happened to him, really, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> um, we get a little bit of a cut back to Queen Bath Mordor because let's not forget, she's hunting this baby. Yes. Um, and she sent her daughter, Saoirse, and her finest gen- her finest warrior, General Kao, as we mentioned. So they're off to find them. And she has um, like a, a, a an apprentice. Like, I don't know what her the woman is, but she's like one of her consult- consultors or something. Consultants or something like that. Or council members or something like that, isn't it? And she says, I've foreseen that your daughter's going to betray you. Yeah. You can see that one coming, can you? I, I could almost oh. see I could almost see that coming when I was a kid actually. I thought she's gonna be goody or something like that, but there you go. So General Kale catches up with the Nowins and they hide in some bushes. They don't get spotted, so they're really rubbish at tracking these guys because they got really close to them and then they all just hid in a bush and they missed them. <laughs> But that's fine. Yeah, no, it's supposed to be these hard and badasses, you know, pro hunters and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. <laughs> no, they miss them. But luckily they miss them because the Nelwins do find the crossroads. And at the crossroads, there are some cages hung up. Most of these cages contain skeletons of poor warriors that have been put in there to rot. Apart from one. Yeah. And uh, there's somebody in that cage, isn't there? RJ? Good old Mad Mardigan. Oh, he's great in this. Yeah. As you said earlier, he, he, when I think of Val Kilmer, I think of him in this film. Do you know what I mean? I know he's in yeah. Top Gun and all that, but I think he, this character overrides that. He's he's a great character in this. He's brilliant. This is his standout. Yeah, I agree. I I prefer him doing this kind of because he's there's a bit of a Harrison Fordness about him, isn't there? In this kind of role, like a bit indie mixed with Han. Oh. He's having fun with it. I thought that I was sold with that straight away, as like you say. When when I, I was probably about ten years old when I watched this film, and I thought he, this is Han Solo, um, Harrison Ford, all those characters. He's yeah, he's, he's quite witty. You know, he's probably wouldn't take his hand out for nothing at this point in the movie, would he? Do you know, what I mean, he's a bit selfish, but then there's, he's got a he's got a good heart about him, isn't he? Deep down inside, he's a good yeah. guy. So. Uh, he comes across as a bit of a dick, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, which works at this keep, point, doesn't it? You know what I mean? It's, uh, it does, and he, he keeps calling them Peck. Uh, so Peck is like a horrible word, I guess, in this world for a little person. Yes. So he keeps saying, "Like, come here, Peck. Give me some water, Peck. Peck, 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 Peck." He's peck, winding peck. them up, isn't he? And uh, he is winding them up, and they won't let him out. And he says. If you give me the baby and let me out, oh, you know, I know plenty of women. Of course he does. Yeah, that's it. Chuck that <laughs> one in there. A bit of a charmer as well. You know, some ladies. <laughs> he says, I can find a woman to help with the baby. Don't worry. I know loads of women. Um, so they, <laughs> they don't really know what to do. <clears throat> so Willow says, well, I'll, I'm going to wait at the crossroads and find a different Dakini. So the rest of the party leave. Everybody else goes back to the village apart from Migosh. Good old Migosh stays with Willow because... He's his buddy. Yeah. He's his Samwise Ganji, like you say. That's it. Um, and Willow, this is where Willow starts getting wound up now. And he, he says, I am a great sorcerer. And he pulls a little acorn out. And this is one of my favorite lines now is where Valkyrie says, oh, my God, please. No, somebody help me. There's a peck with an acorn That's pointed it. at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I had to laugh at that bit myself. It's, it's great. And, he's and apparently, all- uh, some of this was ad-libbed, so 
I don't know how much of it was, but... He looks a bit manky as well, doesn't he? Because his teeth are all bit sort of, sort of gone wrong. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit realistic, dirty. isn't it? He's, yeah. he's a bit of a pirate. He's a pirate, I guess, isn't he? That's the other thing. He's a bit of a sort of Captain Jack Sparrow as well, I guess you could say, isn't he? He's got that sort of swagger about him and all that. So, um, yeah, he's, he's an amalgamation of all these different characters, isn't he? All put into one, which, Even a bit, which works. Would you say a bit of Robin Hood as well? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Robin Hood's, uh, as you mentioned earlier, a bit of Sinbad. He's one of those. He's one of those characters in in movie history where I could not see anybody else play this character. Um, no way. It was kind of made for for him, wasn't it? Not um, even Harrison Ford would have done this. It had oh no! To be Kilmer, oh no! Me. No! 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 He's, he's he's got exactly the right sort of swagger and and everything for it. No, I really I can't think of anybody else really back in that time. Um, no, definitely not. Definitely not. And actually, reversing it, I could see Val Kilmer as the Highlander. Um, in yeah. this role, he reminds me a bit of the Highlander. Yet another movie. God, we're really bouncing off the tangents here. Sorry. Um, but he reminds me of the Highlander a little bit as well. <laughs> Hang on a second. Are you going to swap him for Christopher Lambert in this movie, are you? <laughs> Imagine that. I don't, I don't want Christopher Lambert in this movie. <laughs> He'll be going, it's a kind of magic. <laughs> Somebody help! There's a pack with an acorn aimed at me. God. There can be only one. Oh my god! Yeah, he'll be running around with a sort of grey trench trench coat, running in some night trainers in this one, either with an old samurai sword or something. You know, that's a hell of a look. Aren't oh they? man! Tell you. Imagine the gurgan. Is it as uh, as General Cow in this or something? Oh my god! My god! We're really oh combining the universe here. But there you go. <laughs> do a bit of a swap over. Oh. Well, back to Willow. Uh, so yeah. they fall asleep, and in the morning, an army rides by. Mm. So Willow thinks, brilliant, we're in luck. I can get one of these daikinis, one of these, you know, big people to yeah. take the baby. Um, and they just push him out of the way. Out of the way, Peck. Yeah. Shove him in the mud. And uh, one of the army guys called Eric happens to know Mad Morgan. And uh, we find out that Mad Morgan was a deserter, and he was in the army, but he kind of broke off and became a bit of a bit of a pirate, bit of a you know an outlaw. Yeah, was um, was was uh, Mad Morgan on on Eric's side, or were they fighting each other on different sides? I think they were on the same side because they, they were friends. Oh, okay, so he's just like I really like the character of Eric. Yes, um, he's he does a great job, but he's an actor that. I'm trying to think of what else I've seen him in. Have you sort of seen him in anything I, else? He looks like he could be related to Gary Boosie. Yes. Somebody like that. Yes, that's a really good shout, actually. He has got a bit but of Gary Boosie. I don't Boosie know what I've seen of him. The only other film that I've seen him in is Superman 3, where he plays a, a police officer. Um, oh, really? Yeah, that's it. That's the only other film I can think of. But he, he, he does a great job in this. Like I say, he's the... Um, great sidekick, big ginger beard. He looks like a proper Viking. Definitely looks like he belongs in the army. You know, this this army with swords and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, mate, it's yeah, pretty cool. Say, there's a hell of a hipster beard he's got there, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just <laughs> you know, <laughs> he could be an outpost thirty-one with that beard, can he? With RJ, <laughs> <laughs> you need a beard like that when you're out in that cold oh, weather. Yeah, I tell you. It, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh. Well, the army, uh, Willow's given up now because the army don't want anything to do with it. So they all bugger off, um, off to war. And Val manages, Val Kilmer manages to persuade Willow to give him the baby. He'll take the baby to a village where he knows a couple of women. You know, just let me out. So he releases him from the cage. That's it. And uh, he goes nuts. Then he picks (laughs) up me gosh. Spins him around. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely a guy who's going to keep to his words, isn't he? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, Absolutely. sure, sure, sure. I am. Yeah, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take care of this baby like it's my own, isn't it? He's like, he just spins it around, and he, woo, he spins the baby so quickly. I that's thought his it. head was going to come off. <laughs> oh, dear. Um. Yeah. So he's like, you can trust me. Don't worry about it. And he's like, okay. So Migosh and Willow head start heading along, and they sort of. Think, well, you know, have we done the right thing? I think we've done the right thing. Yeah, okay. And then suddenly, an eagle flies by, and it's got the baby. This is a weird thing to describe. It's holding the baby in its yeah. claws, and it's been ridden by a little sort of three-inch tall person called a brownie, brownie saying, yeah. I stole the baby! Mm-hmm. I stole it from the stupid daikini! And... Uh, they're, they're like the um, comic relief for this movie, aren't they? Now I think you know these two characters. They're almost like you sort of R two D two and C three P, aren't they? Just on the sort of sidelines. Just and they are quite of... funny, actually. They're not annoying. No. Um... no, they sort of bounce off each other really well, don't they? They think one 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 thinks he's better than the other, but they're both sort of you know. Um... Yeah, they're just both. They really, they really complement this film really well, don't they? They got like tattoos well, they, on them as well, don't they? And they're, they're kind of like hipsters as well, don't they? You've got like sort of big hair and stuff. And little they're like um, if you took like ancient Aztec warriors and shrank them down to three inches high because they've got all the tattoos and spears and body like jewellery and stuff, but they're yeah, just three inches tall. Mm, that's right. Yeah, I think like I say, I think Lucas and Ron Howard are really taken from um, different parts of history. Which, um, going back to the warriors that you saw earlier with Eric, um, not all their... I only noticed this from a historical point of view. Some of their helmets are like a Spartan warrior helmets. So it's almost like they've just taken from different parts of history and just chucked it all in there, um, which I just noticed. And talking of that, the next scene, so Willow and Migosh get... um arrows tiny little arrows come at them and the next scene they wake up and it's just like gulliver's travels oh yeah that's it there you go so we've got the hobbit we've got gulliver's travels like you say we've got the like you mentioned is it the the warriors and all that sort of stuff so uh, so they they've been tied up like much like gulliver was mm. by the lilliputians i believe they were called um and they said they uh we've caught you we caught you you stupid I don't know what they call them now, but they, they're not very nice. They've basically got the, the ultimate small man syndrome, these brownies, haven't they? Mm. They've literally got the ultimate <laughs> small man syndrome. <laughs> and they like, um, they like so, their alcohol and special oh, probably magic it. mushrooms and things like that, I'd imagine, hallucinogenics and things. Yeah, they love fairy love potions, don't they? Yeah, that's it. The uh, love potions, <laughs> which comes in funny later on, isn't it? So, um, so um, they, they hear a spirit voice while they're tied up a spirit voice says you know you must release them <clears throat> and this is I can't remember her name now this spirit but she basically says she's very famous spirit and she says look um, the baby is called 
Elora, Elora Dannon, and she has chosen you to be her guardian willow. She's a very special baby because she's going to be the, the person that's responsible for bringing down Queen Bavmorda and her ring. So this is your destiny, blah, blah, blah. This is the whole like destiny being revealed to him scene yeah. now, isn't it, really? Um, and so, I've seen this before in another movie, which I mentioned was uh, Red Sonja. Same thing happens to her. She gets uh, like a, yeah. she gets like a an angel or something. To tell her like about you know, you've got to become more powerful and all that. So I just sort of noticed that from another film. That was all, which is cool. And this me this now means that Willow has to step up. Yeah. So he sends Migosh home back to the village. He says, "Look, this is me now. You don't need to do this. This is my mission." So he sends Migosh back to the village. And it's all about Willow and the Brownies now setting off on their journey. Yeah. And they arrive at a pub, which could be a pub out of Lord of the Rings. So there are, there's so much relevant related to these other movies, isn't there? In this? <laughs> yeah, I love this bit, is it? Where we're like, guys, excuse me, ma'am, can you spare any milk out of your boobs? <laughs> that's hilarious can I yeah. as he says do you have any milk I can have up your teat yeah this is it can you spare <laughs> she any she nuts <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so he, there's everybody there is you know a, a tall person and he's tiny plus he's got the brownies with him and he's mm-hmm. all he wants to do is try and find a woman that he can give this baby to so he, then he can then go back to his village um this is where the brownies sort of start mucking around. One of them falls into a a giant vat of beer, which is brilliant for him because he's tiny. Yeah. Um, they spill some of the love potion. This is where we find out they've got love potion, which That's gets it. into their face. And one of them falls in love with a cat. Um, Willow falls through a little secret compartment into a, a room and comes across a strange scene. He comes across Val Kilmer in drag. Yeah, that's right, and it's probably where this film's earned its PG rating, isn't it, I think, when I watch this bit, isn't it? Because he's obviously trying to get it off, isn't he, with some bloke's missus, isn't he? And yeah. then she's gone, oh, my husband's coming in, and he's kind of going, oh, hello, like this, and he's going, hmm, hello, Hilda, want to breed? <laughs> it's gone like I that. Know, I know, like, I can't believe he says that, want to breed? You know what I mean? like, you know, it's a kid's movie. Says, yeah. um, tempting, but <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he really fancies Val Kilmer in drag and he's like uh, oh yeah you're lovely you didn't tell me you had a cousin oh yeah she's lovely she is <laughs> um, and then uh, well I can't remember what happens after that actually I'm just right, thinking about so, Val Kilmer so uh, Saoirse turns up now doesn't she well, with that's um, right. and then, that's then he's right. gone and he, Val Kilmer's gone oh you're you're beautiful and she goes and you're talking like a man or something like that you're yeah. very strong isn't it <laughs> That's right. And then she says, you're a bloke. And then Lug, yeah. the wife, the husband of the woman he was trying to get it off with, says, oh, what a man, a man. And he goes nuts. And he says to the soldiers, gentlemen, meet Lug. Oh, that's great. And Lug just comes flying in and takes them all out. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, that's it. And that's it. This is where you get our sort of first proper action scene now, isn't it? With the, uh, is it like horse and cart, isn't it? And. Oh, yeah. It's really Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He, he jumps out the window, he slides down a rope, lands in the back of a cart, and then Willow jumps in as well with the baby. Yeah. And they go off and they're being chased. You know, there's people jumping between carts and horses. Yeah. There's there's even like a ninja star that gets thrown at one point. Yeah, that's it. Um, uh, this is where the score really comes in. 
for me. I love the score to this. That's all. Isn't it? You know, it's It just gave me goosebumps just doing that humming. No, it's so good, isn't it? Just the fact. And so I like the bit where Mad Mardigan's taking the apples out of his chest as a as a sort of fake breast, and he's just sort of doesn't know what to do with this apple we're it's just really good sort of like little directional moments there isn't it if, and he throws uh, doesn't he throw them at some of them to try and get them off the car yeah that's right he just gets an apple and chucks it at one of the soldiers doesn't he and that you know and he's just and he's hanging on to the back and it's where i said it's a bit like indiana jones where he's hanging on to the back of the car and then the brownies are trying to sort of cut the rope on now and the beer barrels that's and, right and uh, they roll the barrels out and they hit the guy off and and i tell you what why, why, why i love films from this era because these stunts were all just done there was no cgi these were guys hanging off the bat even val kilmer doing his own stunts yeah there's even a few shots where warwick davis had to do a couple of bits you know and yeah. it's really great stunts um really great good stunts actually for this whole car chase bit and like you say uh, as you said with the real stuff i can't really see how the actors have got to have been there can't they because you look at me you think that can't be a stunt double that's got to be been them on that cart you know with the camera crew next to them and all that sort of stuff so it must have been a great day shooting doing that scene back in those days and, and you're getting um like the carts flipping over and the horses are even doing stunts as well it's just yeah. really one of my favorite scenes really the, the wheels start just, falling off as well then. yeah the wheels fall yeah. off don't they and then i think that hits like a log or something like that and then um the the bad guys start falling off their horses, don't they? And they get one of them gets impaled or something. But yeah, great scene. And then they go off and hide in um, like a, a cornfield, don't they, for a little bit? Yeah. Um, and uh, he says, "Look, look, I promise you, I'm going to look after this baby. It's all good. You can leave her with me." And Willow doesn't really want to leave the baby yet, especially when he sees Val Kilmer feeding what I think is like licorice to the baby that he's picked out the ground. Yes, it's um, it's a vanilla, vanilla um, root or something like that. He calls it... Um, That's right. Black uh, root, he calls it. Black root. Oh, I'm going to feed you some black root. I was brought up with black root like that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he says, don't feed, you shouldn't feed a baby black root. And he says, my mother fed me black root as a baby and I've turned out okay. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> This is where it's just like the com- comics come in, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And I just like it where Willow goes, oh, I knew you were selfish and all this sort of stuff and you only look after yourself. And then Mad Morning goes, I've just saved that baby's life. Do you know what I mean? I've just you know, taken on all these bad guys. And now you're starting to realise that he's starting to become that hero and starts rooting for him a little bit now. But he's still not on it's side, totally. There's a scene in Star Wars for mm. me that I always think of when I, when these sort of moments happen to a character like this, which is the scene where Luke says a very similar thing to Han, where he says something like, I suppose you'll take your money and you'll go off then, will you know, and just leave us to fight this battle. And Oh, yeah, that's right. That's uh, um, the Battle of Yavin, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah and it's, I always think of that in a scene where there's a major character up for a a character that's a bit of a baddie almost and then flips over to the good side yeah and it always reminds me of that and that's what this reminds me of yeah absolutely yeah yeah he is the um like say the han solo in this movie isn't he that's all it's gonna do good in the end well we part ways briefly now because um 
Willow has got to the place where he needs to be, which is he, him and the brownies need to get across to this island yeah. in the middle of a lake. Um, and this is where the sorceress called Finn Rizal is. And she's somebody that can help Willow, apparently. This is what the other sort of sorceress in the woods told him. So they take a boat there um, and they, they arrive. And all they find when they get there is a possum. Yeah, that's it. It is a possum, isn't it? That's what I thought it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, starts talking. Yeah. Hello, Willow! <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I'm Finn Rizal. What? I thought Finn Rizal was a sorceress. Yeah, I am. It's a bit like Yoda. I thought I thought Yoda was a powerful Jedi. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Doesn't, just because I'm a little green guy doesn't mean I'm... You know, and it's a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah, and that, like you say, that's what's good about this film. Nothing nothing turns out to be what you think it's going to be, does it? So the sorceress isn't what they think it's going to be. Uh, Mad Mardigan is... Is he on their side or not? So at the moment, you don't know what's going on, do you, in terms of who's going to help you out, where they're going to go. Or, yeah. Um, and they're trying to take on this like evil queen. So it's very clever. Very clever storytelling, I think. And... um she reveals Finn Rizal as the possum reveals mm. she's been cursed by Bav Morda. So Willow was given a wand earlier by the other sorceress. So he uses that to try and transform her, but he's not very good. And he, all he manages to do is turn her into a crow. Yeah, that's it. So it's not, not, not that great really, but there we go. But suddenly Val Kilmer shows up again. And unfortunately he's been caught. He's mm. rubbish, isn't he? He's yeah. just been caught straight away um, by the soldiers and Sorcia. And they take Elora Dannon, the baby, and they put uh, Val, they chain up um, Val Kilmer and Willow, and uh, this is uh, they just end up dragging them all the way through the, the countryside out into the snow now, yeah. and all the way along they're sort of having this banter, and this is kind of where there's a bit of a bonding between Willow mm-hmm. and Mad Morgan now. They kind of because there's a really subtle scene where um, Willow and him are being dragged behind a car and they're chained up. And Sorsha rides up next, really close on a horse to Willow. And Val Kilmer sort of gets in between her and, and Willow almost protectively. Yeah. Very subtle. That's right. And then she says to him, what are you looking at? And he says, your leg. I'd like to break it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Because he also um, picks Willow up, doesn't he? And puts him on his shoulders, doesn't he? So Aww. Sort of- Helping along. So, yeah, like I say, they're starting to bond now, aren't they? You know, work together as a team. It's cute. It's really cute. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like I said, he's managed to turn her into a crow. That's about as good as his magic has got at the moment. Um, while they're sat waiting, the brownies arrive. <laughs> God. Yeah, so I just <laughs> I remember this bit. Oh, I obviously watched it yesterday. It's just that. He's because he's, he's about to do the spell and he goes. Malama, oh, yeah, and then suddenly you go, right. "Hello, we've arrived. You are safe." <laughs> and they just it. completely interrupt them, and they're like, Shh, "We're trying to do a magic spell here." <laughs> and then um, it was it. She she says, oh, "I'm a beautiful young woman like this," and he's gone, gone. But I've got to concentrate, concentrate like that. He's gone. <laughs> Bad marking. <laughs> <laughs> and again, there's a lot of this, and I'll try not to do this so much. But this again reminds me of Han Solo not really believing in the Force. Yeah. Um, he doesn't really believe in magic, but then when she says, I'm a beautiful woman, he's like, oh, maybe this could work. Go on, quickly turn her into a woman then. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> he just turns into a crow, though. Um, they, they manage to pick the lock, but as they pick the lock, Val Kilmer gets hit in the face <laughs> with the fairy love potion. Oh, God, oh. 
Potter, yeah. This is such a bizarre moment as well, isn't it? Because he's, he's, he's like really sort of, ah. And Willow's gone, come on, come on, man, Mardigan. We've got to go and sort of save, the, you know, the kid. And then he's gone, yeah, 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 that, that, that'd be great. Let's go do it. You that, know, and he's also. That sounds real nice. <laughs> <laughs> so he sneaks in and he sneaks into um Saoirse's Saoirse's, tent. That's it, yeah. and now the thing about this fairy love potion is the first um person that you meet that you're attracted to you fall in love mm-hmm. with um i don't know what that means about the brownie when he fell in love with the cat earlier but yeah i don't know oh well um so yeah he sees Saoirse asleep and he's instantly in love with her which is funny because he ended up marrying her in real life although they're not married anymore no um but the po- sure potion, potion obviously works <laughs> uh. and he starts saying things like oh my heart be still my heart and eventually he sort of leans over her and they're all going get out of there what are you doing and then she wakes up and she thinks he's trying to kill her or something yeah. and uh, he says you're my sun my moon i dwell in darkness without you and he sort of spouts all this poetry at yeah. her um and she says i'm gonna slit your throat and he says Oh, you're, a kiss from you is worth a thousand deaths. And he says all this really yeah. corny stuff to her, doesn't he? It's so funny. Val Kilmer is hilarious in this film. He's so good. Um, and then he wins her over, ultimately, doesn't he? She sort of starts buying into it in the end, and she starts sort of giving him the eyes and all that. Until someone bursts in and says, the baby's been taken. And she's like, oh, you were tricking me, you mm. deceiver. Um... So, yeah, uh, oh, this is where he jumps out of the tent now. We get another bit of that. Because yeah. he uh, slices the tent up, That's crawls it. out of the tent, flips the sword around in his hand, juggles it a bit, takes down like three or four guys. And Willow turns around and he goes, wow, you are great. Yeah, so and then he I'll, falls over in the snow. <laughs> I remember that being on the, um, on the trailer or on a sort of TV advert back in the day. Just that little bit there. Where he's Absolutely. Just sort of... That bit was like the bit where everyone was like, oh, yeah, he flipped the sword around and caught it. And then he falls over. It was even on the, on the Kellogg's advert. That's where I saw it. Yeah, that's it. Because the Kellogg's, Kellogg's advert was that bit. And then them sliding down in a minute on the shield. I'm glad you remember that as well. Yeah. See? And, and as, they go, as, as they go through, they go, whoa. I can't remember. They might go through the cereal box or something like they that. They burst out of the cereal box. Yeah. Uh, on the advert and then they kind of crashed into the wall yeah and then the kid sort of gets the toys land on him and he's like oh wow mum i got my my willow toys from the catalogs cornflakes that's it it wasn't quite like that no but that was probably my first first time i actually saw this film as a sort of trailer do you know what i mean thinking wow i need to go and watch that film i was thinking i'd need me a bowl of those cereals as well yeah (laughs) those yeah i think um i think when when we went shopping as a kid i used to go straight up to those cereals and pick them up and go yeah i've got my cereals because as soon as i get home i'm gonna open this up get that toy out of there (laughs) i would literally pick cereals based on what toy was in there oh yeah so if there was like a ghostbuster sticker then this week i wanted sugar puffs if there was um one of those things to put on your bike wheels to make noises. Yes. Remember those spooky dokies? There was uh, Tony the Tiger reflectors. Oh, those uh, ones, yeah. There was, do you remember Jaws, Jaws 3D on the Weetabix? Um, oh, you got glasses. the glasses. Yeah. Yeah, there was that. Um, 
There was loads of stuff. Yeah, cereals. There was some. There was like stickers that were like um really puffy. You could like squeeze them. Do you remember they were like really? Yeah, I think squishy. I remember those. That's it. I remember. Um, you said about Ghostbusters. That was a bit. That was a big deal back then because you had some really nice stickers come out from the cereal yeah. boxes. Of the like Ecto. shiny, glittery stickers. Yeah, the Ecto one. You had Slimer. Slimer. Um, yeah, yeah. it's really good stuff, man. <laughs> do they cool. still do uh, toys and cereals? I don't know if they do. I suppose they probably can't because of um, like kids choking and stuff these days. Quite possibly. Um, the other thing I used to collect is the <laughs> PG tips, was it? The like the cigarette, oh, yeah. cigarette cards or whatever, wasn't it? Something. I used to collect those. Yeah, you get buy a box of tea bags. How British is this of us? Yeah. You buy a box of tea bags, yeah. and inside would be like a little card, and it would have like a fact on the back. And I collected quite a few that had like supernatural and paranormal Mysteries, things. Mysteries, yes. And I've yeah, I remember those because you you had the uh, like sea monsters or the was it the snowman, the guy that was in the ice. Remember that sort of freaks me out. And they had, like, even pictures of, um, like, a supposed photograph of a ghost. Yeah. And then on the back would say, this picture was taken in the Amateurville house, da 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 I don't know, and you'd be like, oh, wow, this is scary. And we'd yeah. sort of swap them at school or read about them at yeah. school and stuff. Yeah, that was, that was some good times. Yeah, so that'd be the first thing I'd do when my mum and dad were, like, taking the shopping out. That's all right, I'll take the tea. I'll take the PG tips, because I'll be opening them up trying to get the cards at the bottom. <laughs> 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 no, I don't really want them now. I don't want the cereal now. I've got the toy. I've decided yeah. I don't like this brand of cereal. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, I'm, I'm right. I want, I want, yeah. And I was almost like trying to eat the cereal quick so I can get another box and try and get some more toys. <laughs> well, that was when you had to collect, when you had to bloody cut things off the back. Yeah. And you had to save like five of them. Yeah. How quickly could you, Mum, I want two bowls of cereal today. Oh, yeah. Hang on, you fill up. No, no, I want another one. Is this yeah. so you can send off for a bloody stickers? Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. That's it. <laughs> That's it, yeah. I oh, mean, that was good times. That was really good Very times. Good times. <laughs> oh, there you go, people. That's uh, that's me and Dan. <laughs> Back in those times, that's what we used to get up to. <laughs> Eating cereals. Got and annoying our parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Val Kilmer has fought off these guys. Like you said, they grab a shield and they sledge down yeah. this big snow. It's quite a good stunt now because. Mm. It's obviously stuntmen, but you do get close-ups of Val Kilmer and Warwick Davis quite quickly sledging down this this hill as well. <laughs> and they manage to escape the soldiers. They blast through like some little snow caves and out the other side. Yeah. It's a, and that music's playing again. It's very exciting, really good, exciting scenes. Until Willow... Uh, Willow carries on because Val Kilmer has fallen off the back of the sledge and he turns into a giant snowball rolling down the hill behind him. Yeah, that's it. And uh, Willow crashes into a like a village out in the snow and he, he's inside the cabin and suddenly they realise Eric's in there with his soldiers who they met earlier. And uh, Saoirse turns up and they're all hiding in the cellar, aren't they? Yeah. Um, she comes down the stairs and you think and I thought again even with this viewing that she's going to get distracted and just go back up the stairs but no Val Kilmer pulls a knife on her grabs her and they, they actually capture her that's really cool they're yeah. like they've really turned the tables now that's right then they use her as a bargaining chip now don't they um, 
for Mad Mardigan and Willow to get away, isn't it? Is that right? And then they get away yep. and then Eric comes up and then he takes on the rest of the soldiers, doesn't he? Um, That's right. And what's quite cool is when they do get away, they've got the crow sort of scouting ahead, haven't they? So even though she's been turned into a crow, she's still helping them out because she's scouting ahead, checking the way for them. Um, he's sort of, he's so mean to her when he's got her on the, she's like, you're holding me really tight. And he's like, that's because I don't want you to escape. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's it. He's got a sword to her pretty much the whole time until he, until he lets her go. I think she escapes actually. Yeah, she escapes. I can't remember the reason why she escapes now. Uh, I only watched it. I can't. Yeah, she gets away, doesn't she? And she manages to get away. Then that's when they come to the sort of fairy tale looking castle. Is it, is it Tiris, Tiris Lynn or something like that? Uh, something like that. It sounds again like something out of Lord of the Rings, doesn't it? Yeah, it's very sort of um, Princess Bride-ish, isn't it? In the way, the way it's sort of the same sort of aesthetic to it. Um, but everybody's and been what you noticed, to so. I mean, Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You suddenly noticed everyone... And I didn't really... Know, I was... I don't know why I didn't really have never really noticed it before, but you can see loads of really cool effects of mm. people that look like they're frozen in blocks of stone. It's really cool. Um, Val Kilmer stands in troll dung. Oh, that's right. Trolls. It's proper. It's like, like proper shit. He's stepped in as well to me. <laughs> he's horrible in it. And, uh, and Willow just says, I hate trolls because his son mentioned to him, before they left the village, his son said to him, but dad, aren't you afraid that there might be trolls out there? Yeah. Trolls that'll peel off your skin and rip your face off? And he's like, thanks, son. It was uh, Mad Marding going to say, has Dan Bone been round here taking this shit? Especially listening to your last <laughs> podcast, mate, your last podcast episode. <laughs> Listen, I... I pride myself on being honest with my listeners. I can't take that away from you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. God almighty. For anybody who wants to know more about what RJ's talking to, please cool. check out the last episode of the podcast on Haunted Hill. <laughs> Sorry, mate, just a slight segue this. Just like, there's me. Oh, Dan, Dan and Gav have done a vampire episode. Oh, great. You know, vamp. vamp um, Fright Night 2. The only thing I'd come away with is you you missing the shitter and having a shit in shit in the woods or something. I'm thinking, bloody hell. <laughs> God. I forgot about the woods story as well. God. <laughs> anyway. Listen, sorry. this is a long time ago. I don't do this yeah, anymore. That's all right. For at least I haven't done this for at least two years. Okay. <laughs> when you gotta go, when you gotta go. <laughs> and you got if you want you want the full story in that, anybody is, you know, check out Haunted Hill. Latest episode. Check it out. That's all I'll say. There you go. Oh, God. If you want to. Um, <laughs> right. Now, Mad Mardigan becomes a bit of a one-man A-team. Mm. Almost like a MacGyver, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. This is badass. Yeah. Uh, he finds all these cool weapons and crossbows, catapults, a suit of armour. Um, so he... He's, he basically starts getting the, this place set up with loads of booby traps and he gets all the weapons a man could need. Um, there's a really funny moment where he heroically comes running out as the army, General Kale and his army are approaching yeah. and he pushes the door shut and he, with all his strength, and he puts a big barricade across it. Then he turns around and Finn Rizal's a goat. And yes. she just goes, 
<laughs> what the hell happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is what I was saying earlier. This is where it's like the Billy Goat Gruff with the trolls and the goat. Oh, I was just saying. Oh, yeah. I didn't put so, that together. Yeah, so you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's... Because we've mentioned Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. You know, I would, wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot of that in the writing of George Lucas. Yeah, um, it's definitely got some fairy tale elements in this. Little, it? Yeah, Brothers little Grimm, sort of, that kind of stuff. Yeah, a little bit of an Easter egg in there in some ways. And um, I think there's another one coming up as well later. But I'll get into that. So, oh. mm. Well, the army does what only the army can do, which is cuts down a great big tree and starts battering the door in with it. Um, and we spot something moving around behind what willow and foul kilmer and it's something crawling up the wall and crawling under the bridge mm. and it's a hairy tr- little troll thing yeah. um and it sort of jumps down and it's quite an ugly little creature isn't it yeah it's like a sort of sasquatch type thing isn't it or something you know but yeah it's uh, it's uh... it reminds me of do you remember the my pet monster toy uh, uh yeah that sort of rings a bell yeah with a per- it's like a purple hairy monster you could get and it had a like a chain on it that you could chain to your wrist and it was like your little monster right it reminds me of one of those but but, but black rather than purple i'll share a picture with you later have you still got something like um, that tied to your wrist now then have you? <laughs> just a hairy little monster you're referring to my co-host gav well no yeah this is it oh god don't 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 don't. <laughs> Love you, Gav. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Gav. <laughs> uh, Willow does zap one of these with his wand, which is great. Um, and it turns into this sort of gross blob thing. Mm. And then these little squirmy things come out of it. So he kicks it into the moat. Um and we get that classic moment which happens in so many films now where the hero on his own goes to take on a, an army of people and they instantly are scared by something behind him and he thinks it's them. Oh, that's great scene. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And this giant two-headed dragon comes out of the moat, which is obviously the result of Willow's spell. There's a hilarious moment where, where Mad Mardigan runs out and joins the army. They're all afraid. Mm-hmm. And then they all start looking at him like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be the guy we're fighting. And he's like, oh, yeah, shit. So he runs back inside and they all chase him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to laugh that bit yesterday when I saw that bit. But, um, yeah, this too, I've, I think it's a, I, I, I read it was a dragon they were calling it, apparently. But whatever it is, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It looks like a dragon. Yeah. Well, he's like I mentioned earlier, he set up all these booby traps. So he's firing crossbows and arrows. He's taken out loads of soldiers on his own. Um, he even fires himself on catapults across the, you know, he's doing this. It's brilliant. I can imagine this being a play set as a kid, you know, a bit like Castle Grey School or something with like catapults and arrows firing. Imagine that with all these toys. Oh, that would that'd be brilliant. A great play set. I don't know if they actually brought out any, um, with a Mattel. Or Kenner brought out any figures for Willow? I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it would have been. I'd love to have had some. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then this is where you get um, Saucer now, don't you? She's kind of got the hots for him now, isn't she? Because she's going, oh, look at this badass running around. And she's starting to sort of realise that he's a bit of a a a cool guy. 
well, she's realising that he talks the talk, but he's actually walking the walk a bit because he mm. isn't just Billy Big Bollocks. He's actually really taking down a ton of soldiers on his own and he's doing flips and t- double swording and he's doing it all and she's looking at him she just stops dead in the middle of the battle like you said and she just looks at him like he is hot <laughs> I fancy this I like guy this yeah this is it I fancy him <laughs> um, to the point that um, she she grabs him he finds himself across on a catapult um, he cuts off one of the dragons. He stabs the dragon in the head, and it's and, and as he lands, she just grabs him and kisses him. That's it. But what makes me laugh here, Dan, is that he, he he plunges a sword through this dragon, and as he pulls it out, the the, the head just blows up, doesn't it? Just I don't know what <laughs> caused that, but stick a sword through the head, it just goes boom. <laughs> it blows up. I like to think it's something to do with the uh, chemical reaction in the dragon's throat oh, that creates right. the flame. Oh. This is my scientific mind, though. That's a good, <laughs> oh, that's a good shout. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's punctured the uh, accelerant uh, gland. Something like that. Right, okay, right. Okay, I'll go with that. I, I only think that because of that movie with Matthew McConaughey and Christian Dragons. Bale. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Reign of Fire, where they, they describe how the dragons can make fire. Uh, yeah, the mouth, it's like a reaction yeah, within the chest or something. Gotcha. There we go. You can thank Matthew McConaughey for that. That's a film that goes under the radar as well, wasn't it? Rain of Fire. God almighty. I like that movie. Yeah, I I like that. that's a good film. Yeah, I mean, McConaughey's proper... They're, they're both proper beefed up in that movie, aren't they? He's got a... Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and Christian, it is Christian Bale, isn't that, isn't it? Yeah, Christian Bale, yeah. He's a bit of a geezer in that, in a year. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. That's it, yeah. Cool. <laughs> McConaughey's got a um, damn so bone yeah, beard in that as well, hasn't yeah. <laughs> he? has got a damn bone beard. Yeah. He has. Everyone should have a damn bone beard. Um, well, I think I also think, RJ, that the reason the head blows up mm. is to demonstrate Saoirse and her feelings for Val Kilmer exploding everywhere. Oh, a lot of you saying there. Okay, <laughs> right, I got you. I got you. All right, that's it. This is it. This is... So, um, so, anyway, just one minute. So, he's gone, I want to go out with you, Saoirse. And she's gone, well, first of all, you've got to fight in a castle, all these soldiers and dragons and blow it all up, and then I might consider. So, yeah, that's, 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 that's the way you got to go out on a date with Saoirse, I guess. Well, I think he's passed the the trial. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> um, How did you guys meet? Oh well, you know, it was like this. Sell <laughs> of a story, isn't it? <laughs> Go on, tell the story. All right, yeah. So, um, well, what happened was your dad was riding on a big dragon and he stabbed it in the head. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then it exploded everywhere. Don't forget about the troll dung. Oh yeah, he stepped in troll dung as well. That's it. Um, and then we kissed. That's about it, um, really. Uh, yeah. This is where she switches sides. Yeah. Now. That's it. She's That kiss has done it. Yeah, um, that's it. And it looks like they're about to lose this battle, actually. Until Eric and his army arrive. Yeah, there you Yay. go. Yay. The cavalry arrive. And Kale says, get them. So they ride at them, and he takes the baby, and he manages to escape. And Saoirse's fully on their side now. Um, so Eric's army managed to uh, help them and turn the tide a little bit and they they arrive outside um, Queen Bavmorda's castle now 
And this is the pig scene, isn't it? Yeah, this is a crazy bit, isn't it, in the movie, really, isn't it? Because you get a transformation scene here. It's a really good transformation scene as well, isn't it? Um, scared me, scared. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you watch it and there's quite a lot going on, isn't there? You know, with the, the, the photography and there's not just... It, Usually they just show one person transforming, and that's it. But you see lots of people transforming, don't you? And uh, in various states of the transformation yeah, as well. Yeah, it's just what, 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 what a crazy. I, when I watch this, um, and every time I do watch it, I think this is a. Where, where did this scene come from? Do you know what I mean? Where did we thought of this idea? You know, to have them turn into pigs and then to be able to create it as well. Wow, it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah, so above Morda, she basically says, you're not an army, you're all pigs. Boom, mm. boom, boom. She starts firing her magic at them. And so we get, like, Val Kilmer gets fangs. Somebody else gets, like, pig trotters. Mm. Um, you also get one guy that they've obviously buried up to his waist in the ground and then given a little animatronic pig legs at the bottom half of his body. That's so right. he's, like, half pig, half man. Yep. Um, it's just... It looks amazing, uh, but also because, and I've talked about this on various podcasts that I've been on over the years, transformation scenes from a young age scared me because of Thriller with Michael Jackson becoming yeah. a werewolf, American werewolf in London, yeah, yeah. even the Incredible Hulk. So this, again, as soon as I saw this when I was 10 or 11, I thought, oh, I'm a bit afraid of this scene, actually. I'm not really liking this. It, it, um, it almost reminded me as well of, um, uh, was it the Grim Fairy Tales as well? Oh, um, yeah. oh, um, is it Company of Wolves? Storyteller. Yeah, something like that. Where, and this is where I was thinking of Lucas is kind of drawing on the Grim Grim Brothers, because in that you had transformation, whether it's like a wolf or something like that. Um, so it, it kind of just brid- bridged that bit into this movie, which was clever. I thought. I loved it, and it's a great scene. It's a scene a lot of people. Re- remember because it shows how ruthless she is she doesn't mm. care a uh, funny scene a funny bit about this scene is they had a couple of hundred pigs on set for this scene for quite a few days and apparently all these pigs wanted to do was mate with each other That's so fair. they had some running around stopping these pigs from fornicating because that's God. all they were trying to do with each other. Right. so basically they had a giant pig orgy going on oh my God. <laughs> on the set <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure a 17-year-old Warwick Davis was bloody traumatised with that. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for, George Lucas. God Almighty! Where's Warwick? We see. Um... Sorry. Oh God! Poor Blake. <laughs> Squeal, piggy! Oh God, no! Right, okay. Uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so we see that in, inside. Bert Reynolds inside turns up. Sorry, Marcus. right, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so Queen Bav Morda has decided to dress up as Mumra from Thundercats because she suddenly is Jesus up in Christ, Dan. You've. Oh, my. Someone's. I thought that as well. I thought that. She's all wrapped up in these weird bandages and it's just like Mumra before he transforms. Yes, that's what I thought. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I thought that last night. That's the other thing I was going to mention. Yeah, absolutely. I really think that um, they they may have not copied. I 
think they just saw that look and mm. thought that's a good look let's get her wrapped up yeah like that yeah it that's, looks good yeah yeah, um, yeah so uh finn Rizal gets transformed magically finally willow manages to pull off the magic spell where he turns her from a crow into a chicken into a peacock into a tortoise then into a tiger and finally into Finn Rizal. and because she's been in this under this spell for so many years she's actually an old woman now mm. and she sort of looks at her hands and says god it's been a long time I guess I've aged a lot um, but she's done it and that's great and uh, she says I've got a plan he, he says I've got a plan to save us all and, she, and she's like, how are you going to do that she says well first of all let's turn all the pigs back so one by one all the pigs get turned back into humans and then willow says on my farm we had gophers and they will look at him like what what do you mean but he's got a brilliant plan yeah um where they bury them or they all hide under sort of uh, blankets and they bury themselves in holes in the ground so in the morning it looks like it's just willow and finn Rizal. And he says, um, we, d- we demand you come out. We're, we're great sorcerers. And she's like, oh, whatever. My army will deal with you. And she sends her army out. And when it gets to a certain point, Willow bangs this drum. And all of Eric's army come bursting out of these holes in the ground. Even the brownies underneath a little helmet. And they yeah. come running out as well, aren't they? It's... And they take them all down and they break into the castle. It's brilliant. It's a bit like, the, again, it's a bit like uh, the Troy, isn't it? The Trojan horse. So you're kind of like doing a bit of cunning, aren't you, to actually like devise a plan oh, to get yeah. into the sea. So, um, yeah, that's great, man. Like I say, um, all this as well is all sort of practical stuff as well. Stunts, sword fights, um, getting up to that sort of climatic scene. And, and, that, and that's what we get now. Mm. Yeah, the last scene now really is just you know two things going on. We've got the huge sword fight, mul- multiple armies fighting each other in and around the castle Val Kilmer gets to, to fight you know quite a few guys um, Eric gets killed sadly doesn't yeah he by the General fight. Cal doesn't he um, um, yeah uh, which means that um, General Cal must meet his end here because Val Kilmer uh, takes him on and uses two swords which is so cool you don't get to see that very often no. only Leonardo from the Ninja Turtles is cool enough to do that little Ninja Turtle but, um, moment there, Val yeah. Kimmer takes him on with two swords yeah. oh, go, on, go on, get the pizza dude yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> it's our little uh, Corey Feldman um, plug in there so. uh. now when I bought um, Willow on DVD when it mm, probably about 10 years ago mm. this scene where General Kale gets killed I'd never seen it properly before because apparently in the UK it was quite heavily edited because he gets quite a nasty death from Val Kilmer who um, stabs him with a big sword and then pulls him down and then pushes him onto the sword even more. And a lot of that was cut in the Oh, UK. was it really? So when I first oh, saw this okay. on DVD, when I first bought it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise it. It's quite a brutal death for a hmm. PG movie. But but you kind of you kind of want run through that, with the you? sword. <laughs> you kind of want a brutal death with him though, don't you? Because you don't want to just punch him with a sword you want all that because he's such a big character doesn't he to take down so um oh yeah he's a nasty piece of work and of course another indiana jones reference because pat roach 
Pat Roach, yeah, again, he was... Um, he was in all, all the Indiana Jones films because um, he played the um, pot, he played the engineer, didn't he, who, play, who fights Indian Raiders. Um, he's in Temple of Doom. Oh, he's in all of them. Lost. He was also in Red Sonja as well. Um, he plays... Um, he's a big guy. And he was a wrestler, wasn't he? Big British guy, wrestler. Yeah, wrestler. was in... Um, uh, TV show wasn't he in this country uh, Alvina's own pit wasn't it he was in oh my uh, god of course well. he was in that yeah how could I forget that I think that's where he started off I think and yeah he's, he's, he's had a great career he's done really well so yeah it's good to he's, see he's a good uh, good henchman oh yeah yeah good brilliant henchman. yeah he's fantastic um, I just my favourite bit of this whole fight scene really is the Valkyrie with a two swords thing I can't mm. say that enough really there's something so cool about seeing him pick up two swords and still be very competent with them it's awesome because this guy like i said earlier he walks the he walks the walk as well as talks the talk yeah well while all this is going on upstairs we get a bit of a lord of the rings moment again i can't help but really compare this to the moment gandalf fights um uh what's his name i can't remember his name ceremon Saruman. Yes. Saruman. Um, well, <laughs> see, see, Dan, you was thinking now. I was thinking more sort of uh, Egg Chen versus uh, Lo Pan. That was also, but now it's just you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you never could beat me, Egg Chen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, it's a bit hard, but it's an awesome fight between two sorcerers who really go for it. Oh yeah, even big though- time. The, the women, you know, they don't hold back. They throw each other around this room. They get smashed into walls. Mm. Um, lightning striking, you know. There's what at one point there's a really cool moment where you get that kind of red lightsaber, blue lightsaber moment where oh yeah, um, Bav Morda's got fire, blasting fire, and then Fenrisel it turns herself into ice and then combats the fire with her ice powers. So you've got that opposites, all the elements, each other and thing stuff, as yeah. well. Because uh, you've also got the yeah, it's um, really cool, and they've got the baby tied up. Yeah, and a load of sort of tape or something, isn't it? Like a sort of tape, and and you've oh, also... and I've forgotten actually. With a bit with um, are you going to say about the bit with the cauldron that comes alive? It, which kind of reminded me a little bit of what we said earlier. This sort of wizard was it Return to Oz thing there? Do you know what I mean? Where there was the yeah, they sort of reference the uh, Tin Man as a kind of cauldron. That's kind of what I just somehow picked up on there. That was and just... I don't know if I'm re- remembering this wrong, but isn't there a bit in the Black Cauldron or something like that happens as well? Maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Well, you've got that as well. And I feel got... like I've seen this kind of thing before. Well, you've also got um, Fantasia as well, haven't you, with uh, Mickey Mouse? Uh, ah. Wizards, haven't you, and things going on, haven't you, and sort of uh, cauldrons walking about. Um, so yeah, there's there's and, a lot of stuff here. And they remind me of a creature you might see in the Dark Crystal as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the Dark Crystal. And I was also going to say uh, the the reason why you got these effects back then is the was it the Industrial Light and Magic team? Oh yeah. Um, who've you know managed to create all this, and you've also got. Um, I was also going to mention um, Poltergeist as well, just with the. Sort of ghostly effects in this movie, which I think again was the industrial light uh, magic. Yeah, thing, yeah. So. There's a lot of there's a lot in this film, isn't there, Dan? I mean, when you think about it, there's a there lot is, packed yeah. in this two hours. 
especially you know with the way that um, Queen Bavmorda dies, that's quite poltergeist. Now you say it actually because mm. she turns into that weird purple mist. So the way we get to that is, of course, um, she um, Ratfin Razal gets crushed under a rock. Willow must take on um, the Queen himself. She's about to kill Willow. He says, uh, I've got the baby. And then he does his disappearing pig trick and tricks her into thinking he sent the baby to a realm that cannot be touched by evil. And she's like, what the hell? There's no such place. How have you done this? Really, the baby's just hidden behind another table. Um, and she puts her wand up in the air to do a spell on him. And as she does that, lightning strikes her. And she just vaporizes into nothing. Yeah. It's a purple mist. Um, quite an easy win for Willow, but, but it works. <laughs> well, as they say, it's the oldest trick. The oldest trick in the book, isn't it? She's he's ultimately taken <laughs> her down by that. Do you know what I mean? The old sort of getting rid of something with a little cloak, a little bit of basic. Uh, I think he know. says, doesn't he? It's my old disappearing pig trick. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's all a trick your granddad um, does at Christmas. <laughs> Grandpa, make the pig disappear. Do it again, Grandpa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kalazam. Um, Boom. Sorry. <laughs> so. and, and and that's kind of it now. We kind of get a bit of a Star Wars medal moment really now where they're all kind of welcomed home. Um Willow goes back to his village, he gets to see his kids and his wife. Um and Mad Morgan and Saoirse say that they will raise and adopt um Alora Dana. And mm. as their own willow is a hero in his village and just to top things off because you know we want to uh we want to get one extra one up on burgle cut willow throws an apple up in the air which turns into a bird yeah. which shits right in the face of burgle cut to end the film which is beautiful really yeah and <laughs> it, what a great way to end a movie isn't it Do you know what i mean then you again you get that um kind of like um, film score of them playing the music, isn't it? In their village, isn't it? It's kind of like, it's like Ewoks, isn't it? It's like Ewoks when they win the war. And obviously, Kenny Baker, who was in Star Wars, and so was Warwick Davis, they're um, you know, they're in this movie as well. Yeah, that that music's brilliant. It's a really celebratory song. You feel like you've been on this mission with them. And um, yeah, it's. I mean, like I say, we, after reviewing this film down, I mean, it's just. Uh, it, it just does everything, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? I'm, are you entertained? Big time. Absolutely, man. Hell um, yeah. It, I, I, it does everything it says on the tin. And everything that happens again is the other thing I noticed. It didn't happen on all the films, obviously. <laughs> A lot of films, you look at the poster. And everything on that poster happens in this film, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? When you look at the Willow poster. Yeah, definitely. You know, all the things that are on that poster happen in this movie. Um, so, And and I think in discussion discussing this with you, actually, hmm. um, in quite detail, it's made me realise why, why I love this film. It's because um, it pulls from so many other things, you hmm. know, be at, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, yep. Grimm stories, yep. you know, Greek mythology, Sinbad, um, all those fantasy movies from the 80s we love. Uh, yeah, all of that stuff 
it's, it's peppered in there. Even stuff like the trolls, I didn't yep. realise until you mentioned with the Pretty trolls and that. You know, all of that. Um, it, it's just got it all in there. There's a little bit of, like, say, biblical stuff in there with Moses with the car at the beginning. Um, there's a little bit of a fate line in here as well. There's sort of pagan stuff. Um, so everything you can think of in the history books is put into this movie. And you could probably, like you said, you mentioned Sinbad earlier. So I think it's Sinbad, the Golden Voyager Sinbad with Tom Baker. So as he uses yeah. his power, he, he becomes older, which is what happens to the evil queen in this movie. She's using her power, she becomes old. So... Yeah, you, you can take this film and oh, yeah, put it into does, all yeah. the other sort of fantasy movies that you know. And you go, oh, yeah, there's a little bit of Willow there. So, uh, yeah, it's a clever movie. Very clever. Um, I think it's uh, good on, you know, Ron Howard and Lucas. They, they, they struck gold here with this it, film, right? You know. And it's really, um, they, they cast it so, so, so well because mm. probably the biggest name in this was probably Val Kilmer yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, but everybody in this really does what they were supposed to do you know and even the kids like i mentioned if those kids don't break your heart when they appear on screen willow's kids or even just the baby whenever they show the baby the way it's giggling or smiling or some of its facial expressions reacting to what the adults are saying it's just perfect yeah. it really is i would say this is i would actually say this is pretty much a perfect film yeah i can't like i say i watched every time i watch it i'm entertained and um the other thing I like about it is it's it's kind of it has generally got a short running time for this type of movie, um, which is what they did in the eighties. You know, you got a two-hour movie. It's got a great beginning, middle, end. Got you to point A to B. It does everything it needs to do. So um, I'm fond of that. I'm a big, big fan of that. Um, so, no yeah. sequel. I d- yeah, it, it's surprising. Even today, I'm. I don't really feel like this film needs a sequel. Um, that's kind of where I'm left, you know. Where would it have uh, gone? Do you know what I mean? I don't really know where you would go. They they did everything uh, they needed to do. You know, they defeated the Queen. Yeah, I don't don't mean this in a bad way. I don't know where else you can go. Obviously, possibly with uh, Laura Dannon as as an adult or, you know, as a teenager. But, um, because I know they did, I think they made books, didn't they? Um, yeah. I think they created books, but yeah, no, it's, it's all good, man. You know, so, um, so there you go, guys. There's Willow. Um, hope you enjoyed that review from me and Dan, but Dan, before we close the episode up there, mate, what else have you got going with podcasts on Haunted Hill? Cause I, as, as I mentioned halfway through the show, mate, um, you did vamp and <laughs> you know, Friday night too with you shitting in the woods or something like that but there you go we did we did uh, I don't know how that came up but it mm, did but yeah our next episode. episode which is episode 98 wow. we are recording in a couple of days actually and we are going to be talking about slimy 80s movies we're going to be doing the stuff yeah. from 1985 which is brilliant and we are also going to be looking at the Blob remake from 1988 cool. same year as this um which I think, spoiler alert, but I think is a really underrated re- horror remake. Really underrated. Yeah, it is. I, again, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I haven't looked at it. You've, you've obviously had a look at it a little bit more than I have, but um, I don't know whether it wasn't marketed very well when it came out, because 
Um, I, I remember watching it when I, I think I watched it when it was on TV. I don't even think I rented it on VHS back in the day, but I really enjoyed it when it was on TV. I think it was on TV at Christmas, and I watched it and I thought, wow, that's a good film. Um, it feels really original for a remake. Yeah, um, it's the only way I can describe it really, and it's got really good effects. Mm. That's what sells it. It's all practical effects, and it looks incredible. Yeah, and and it's also quite terrifying as well. You know, when you think about it, you know this blob that gets you, and there's some it really, melts your skin off. And it, there's some incredible death scenes in that as well, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? I'd, fucking hell. <laughs> and it's got Matt Dillon's brother riding around on a motorcycle in it as well. With a hell of a mullet. So, With a hell of a mullet. He's got one hell of a mullet. Oh, so that's what we're mate. doing. Mullets. Well, there you go, mate. I look forward <laughs> to that episode. Um, no, that's great stuff, man. Well, like I say, Dan, thank you very much for coming on to the show today, mate. And um, the other thing I need to mention here as well is we're coming to our horror season as well, aren't we? Which everybody's getting stoked Whoa. about. And we've got a couple of episodes You've asked on me to, uh, to come and talk about a couple of movies for early October, haven't you? Yes. Well, I thought, I was trying to think, what, do, what film do I talk about? And I just thought, well, we've got to talk about Jason 6. Because it's a film that I think you and I bring up quite a bit, you know. And I know you're pretty stoked with the Jason franchise anyway. And it's the man behind the mask. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, the, the other film we're going to be doing as well is um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, which is, um, you know, The Dream Warriors. And again, that's got a rock theme. The Dream Warriors, which always reminds me of Jace and the Weird Warriors. Weird Warriors, yeah. And I just think to myself that it's just in the mid-80s, they just... When it came to horror, it just like, I think it's obviously to do with the with the MTV vibe, isn't it? That they just brought through in these incredible eighties rock synth songs that were just fantastic. Do you know what I mean? I've got them in my car. Lots of practical effects as well. You know, you were looking for that next death. They were aiming for that audience of like 14, 15 year olds that just wanted to see loads of good effects and have rock music playing loud. That was it. And and, and what I've noticed, and obviously we'll get into this when we start talking about these films, is that you had Jason and you had Freddy Krueger and they just become the, instead of obviously they're killers you know they need to be stopped but they kind of become the the thing that people wanted to see more than the protagonist so well they became the heroes didn't they they, they were the, they yeah. were the guys you were cheering for yeah. <laughs> I mean this is it I mean Freddy Krueger become an uh, iconic character didn't he I mean he you know you was talking about like a franchise and toys and things like that he, he was just everywhere wasn't he do you know what I mean you know they started making dolls oh, yeah. and you know, Freddy Krueger just took over, didn't he? In in the mid eighties, he was bloody everywhere. Oh, he really was. He had his own show. He had a rap album, <laughs> a whole album of rap songs by Freddy Krueger. Can you imagine it? Yeah, and it, I remember him being on um, adverts for uh, presenting what films were going to be coming out or something like that. He was sat in the cinema with some popcorn, going "Bon Appetit." <laughs> he even got interviewed. Um, <laughs> 
as Freddy Krueger on some show, I think, where he came yeah. out as Freddy Krueger and he's like, hey, what's going on? And they were like, so Freddy, what have you been up to apart from killing teenagers in their dreams? Yeah. It was oh. just so weird. But yeah, he was, he was definitely, um, I'd say he was probably, and maybe it still is one of the biggest horror pop sort of icons, really. Oh, yeah, without a shadow of doubt, with, um, like I say, Jason Voorhees, um, I think, standing next to him as well, do you know what I mean? And uh, like yeah. I say, with Jason Six, with uh, Alice Cooper coming in to do that soundtrack as well, which is incredible. Um, one of my favourite Jason movies, because it was one of the first ones that I watched. But um, I You was, and I have got a lot to talk about when we discuss that. I will <laughs> save that for the episode. So there you go, guys. There's a little bit of a... Um, there's a little dose of what we're going to be talking about in uh, the season of The Witch, which is Halloween, the horror month, so that'll be coming out soon. So there you go. Thank you, Dan. Exciting. Yeah, thanks for coming Thank on the show much. today, mate. So, um, so there you go, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm going to close the show now. So um, as always, I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so please go and check out all the other shows, including Dan and Gav's show, uh, the podcast on Haunted Hill. And uh, you can find Bite Size Cinema on several players, um, including Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, and if you put in Bite Size Cinema Podcast Legion into Google, you'll you'll find me somewhere there. And I've also got a Facebook page um, where I'm sort of most active, so put any comments or um, post any films that you want me to possibly have a look at, I'll try and take a look at them for you. So there you go, guys. Um, so, like I say, hope you enjoyed the show. Keep it bite size, keep it safe, and I'll see you soon. show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by The Cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.